Hello, this is Mike Biffle, creator of Thomas Was Alone and John Wick Hex, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 38 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, June 28th, 2020. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we discuss the shutdown of Microsoft's Mixer streaming service, the Avengers War Table that was recently showcasing new gameplay, and Halo has teased the return of an old enemy for Halo Infinite. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. Before we begin this week, I want to say a quick word of thank you to Justin Woodward for joining me in last week's episode to discuss the Guerrilla Collective and the Media Indie Exchange. It was an insightful and educational discussion in which I learned quite a bit about the industry and how it works with indie games, but also in hearing his thoughts on Black Lives Matter, it really highlighted the lack of of representation by creators of color in the gaming industry. So bravo to Justin, and uh, if you missed that interview, I encourage all of you to go back, take a listen to it. It's a long uh, interview, an extended interview, I would say, uh, but very insightful, and I certainly walked away with a new perspective on how games are made and just what representation really means for creators of color uh, in our industry, and so I strongly recommend you guys look into that. Microsoft shocked a lot of its customers in this past week, announcing that Mixer is no more. Of course, Microsoft's proprietary streaming service that piloted a number of technologies like FTL, uh, and uh, it was integrated into the Xboxes. A lot of people were able to stream off their Xbox, myself included, were avid users of Microsoft's Mixer service, and Mixer is now no more. What once was Beam, then was Mixer, is now gone, uh, and a lot of those customers are going to be transitioned into Facebook gaming. And there's a lot to break down in this particular set, and I, of course, have some bias myself being a former Mixer streamer at this point. Let me read you uh, some quotes and some statistics, and then we'll see really what this means for the gaming uh, medium as a whole. In a blog post, uh, and first reported on by The Verge, they said, quote, It became clear that the time needed to grow our own live streaming community to the scale was out of measure with the vision and experiences that Microsoft and Xbox want to deliver for gamers now. So we've decided to close the operations side of Mixer and help the community transition to a new platform, end quote. Now, this is a big deal because if you are unfamiliar, the technology that Mixer was using was incredibly slick. It was very fast, very clear, uh, and, and gave users really an optimal viewing and streaming experience. However, the scale at which they would need to operate wasn't in line with the the cost of running that system and so they're transitioning them away now let's give you some statistics to kind of support that idea in april on mixer 37 million hours of gaming content were watched now that is nothing to to you know shirk your nose at nothing to be like oh i can't believe it but 37 million hours on mixer compared to twitch's 1.5 
billion, with a B, billion hours watched. 37 million compared to 1.5 billion is a big difference. Even YouTube gaming had 461 million hours of watched, and that is pretty impressive overall. That that data was gathered by Arsenal GG, and it's pretty grim when you look at the growth rate. Mixer was, was growing at a rate of 1% or less. Realistically, I think some of the stats are even showing at 0.2%, whereas Twitch grew 101% from April 2019 uh, to April 2020. That's a big difference. And even in a time where people are at home uh, due to shelter in place, Mixer wasn't growing. This is... I think frustrating and saddening in many ways, but the writing is indeed on the wall. We'd seen Mixer cancel original programming last year. We saw several key players within Mixer's community transition uh, away from working on the Mixer side into the Xbox side or other branches of Microsoft. And it seems that the big purchase buyouts of exclusive viewership for, for Ninja and Shroud and several other streamers simply didn't bring in the numbers that it would need to sustain. Now, Microsoft suggested a strong connection in working with Facebook Gaming and that a number of the partnered streamers over on Mixer would be offered similar contracts on Facebook Gaming's side. Several other streamers would be let, let off their hook, but it, it hits on very different levels. If you're a medium-level streamer, this probably hurts because you're grinding hours on hours on end, building a community, making your rent, making your money off of the embers and the subscriptions. And for Mixer to not be growing at the rate you needed, you it could have been very difficult. But then to throw away communities of 10 and 15,000 people just leaving and viewership just going away for those people who are trying to make it and grind, that's got to be tough. The bigger streamers, the, Mick, the, the, the Ninjas, the Strouds, the, the whomever else is on there, Ewok, that's got to be not too big a frustration because many of your your partnerships, your contracts will move with you to Facebook if you want it. You can be bought out if you'd like that, and you're likely a big enough name that you're going to survive just fine. The effect on somebody like myself, uh, to be very clear, I had over 700 followers on Mixer, but I wasn't actively streaming all that much. That hits me in a, in a bummer sense. I'm like, man, I'm leaving 700 plus followers behind. But the real reality was if Mixer's only growing at a 0.2% growth rate, or at least a, at best a 1% growth rate, I'm not likely to continue to growing up on a small level on that platform. So I myself made the move over to Twitch. I decided to go to Twitch over at twitch.tv slash insipidghost if you would like to support me over there. And uh, working towards affiliate status on that front so I can continue to make a, a monetary gain on Twitch. It's, uh, it, it's weird. It's a weird feeling because I took advantage of Mixer's integrated uh, on Xbox streaming just to click broadcast and, and go live. And to me, that was one of the, the biggest values. Now let me let me uh, go ahead and address some questions on this one before I continue down that that rabbit hole of thought. Famous Seamus writes in and says, "How do you feel about the way Microsoft announced Mixer shutting down? Apparently, the only they only told employees a few minutes before the announcement was made. Not gonna lie, this feels almost like at that time Activision laid off a bunch of employees without warning." Uh, Famous Seamus, I have a lot of feelings, and this is a layered response that I'm working my way through on air with you right now. I am disappointed in the way Microsoft seems to have handled this. Now, this is Microsoft proper, not necessarily Xbox. However, I do think of them as intertwined in, in this particular sense. It disappoints me greatly that these employees were 
uh, told so late because many of them had invested a number of hours into the work. We also knew that many of them had been finding other places within Microsoft and within Xbox. So uh, a little bit mixed there. The way they told partners, though, which is different than employees, partners and affiliates or, or the affiliate equivalent uh, over on Mixer. And I, I guess I would fall into that category because I was in the Ember program. Uh, is a bit of a bummer. It's a bit of a bummer to be caught off guard and told essentially you have a month left of what you consider to be your job and you need to find a new job or you're out of luck it is a bummer. I like that they have something set up with Facebook for better or worse and that Facebook is not a place I personally want to be, uh, which will address my thoughts in just a minute with a better man who wrote in a different question. I like that they have something set up for Facebook uh, where if you need that rent money or you are a partner, you can go ahead and migrate over there and have a similar contract idea. The problem is is audience migration and what Facebook counts as views don't actually seem to match up with what Twitch and Mixer and YouTube count as views. So there's a lot of, of, of mixing there. So I, I have very mixed responses. My heart breaks for those medium-level streamers. I'm not sad or sorry for the Shrouds, the Ninjas, etc., because uh, they're going to be just fine. My heart breaks for the medium ones that were trying to make rent with that money. Uh, for the smaller streamers, again, like myself, I think we're going to be just fine. Find a new audience, rebuild. Rebuilding from 700 is a bummer for me, on my sense, but it's not terribly difficult compared to those who needed to to make that their career or were grinding for that to be a career. So I have a lot of mixed thoughts on that. But it's an emotional set of mixed thoughts, that's for sure. Now, Betterman77 writes in and he says, what are your thoughts on the Xbox-Facebook gaming partnership? It seems the comments from the majority of streamers aren't happy because of the Facebook's uh, dodgy dealing. But personally, I think it's a brilliant business move teaming up with the world's largest online platform. Betterman, great, great question. And you make a very good point. Facebook does have a lot of reach and a lot of technology in there. There's no doubt about that. I examined Facebook gaming before making my decision to move over to Twitch. And it was those dodgy dealings that I didn't like, kind of the weird stuff that's going on in the real world with Zuckerberg and ad revenues and uh, whether or not they'll, they'll run things to make money uh, for certain political campaigns. I wasn't in on that aspect. And then the real talk, somebody said this in, in the gaming community on Twitter space, but I was, I was already feeling it myself. I use gaming to escape from my real world. And I do not want my mother or my, my work, my coworkers involved in my gaming space unless they're there specifically for my gaming space. And I felt like Twitch offered more gaming centric stuff. And on Facebook, it'd be too easy for a coworker or my auntie aunt or my grandma. I don't have a grandma anymore, but, but my mom to jump in there and, and see what's going on there. And I didn't like that overlap. And so that's why I stayed away from it. I do like that it's an option for partner people. I like that there's an option. And Twitch seems to have rolled out the red carpet to a few people as well. Great, good, but all in all, guys, Famous Seamus and, and Better Man and anyone else listening, the situation is a total bummer where the writing's on the wall and it all comes down to analytics and statistics. Businesses are set out to make money, and you can have the best technology in the world, that FTL technology, the mixer tech, fantastic. But if you don't have the analytics, the audience to grow at scale, it's just not going to work out, and, and there's no way around that. It's a total bummer, but there's just no way around it. Those big names didn't bring in more viewers that would stick around, and so... You know, I, I'm bummed for sure because the integration into the Xbox was what I so enjoyed. The, elder, the ability to just click live and go, a total bummer. Now, I will say in personal anecdote, in activating my Twitch account uh, and installing the app on Xbox, and I can stream from my Xbox using the Twitch app. It's not as clean. It's not as uh, comfortable, but it's very doable. And so that's what I'm doing now as I start to rebuild and work towards affiliate status. It's 
it's a process, but it's not been a difficult one, truth be told. And so I suppose hats off to Twitch on that one. There's a lot of turmoil in the streamer space right now. A lot of people, fi- we're finding out a lot of people and a lot of people in the gaming community are not uh, as wholesome as we might hope. And, and a lot of frustration there at the leadership levels in all of these companies. That's a difficult thing to watch for sure. And so uh, I suppose just just use this as yet one more lesson of 2020 to be good to people and and make yourself aware of the services you use, why you choose to use them. Recognize they are all uh, imperfect. They all have flaws. They are all good at some things and bad at others. And make your choices on an informed level, I suppose. Yeah. It's really hard to talk about this. It really is a hard thing to talk about because I saw people heartbroken. I saw gamers heartbroken. Uh, but at the same time, you know, what does this mean for Series X and what does this mean for the people involved? Uh, I think this means we'll see integration to broadcast by choice on next-gen's platforms and even perhaps into the OS for, for Xbox One. The ability to, to shoot to YouTube gaming or Facebook gaming or Twitch straight off the box in a more simple uh, fashion I think is a good thing. I really want that to happen, particularly when you look at PlayStation 5's Create button and, my, and Xbox Series X's Share button on the controller right away. If I can just slap my Series X controller one button, boom, share, and I'm going straight to Twitch, I'm a happy camper. I'm a happy camper. That's all. I want it simple. I want it idiot-proof because that's what Mixer gave me. Uh, a friend of mine made the comparison. Mixer was the iPhone of the streaming world, whereas Twitch is the Android. And I think that's a good and apt descriptor. And when it comes to streaming, I stream off my box. I want it simple, and I want it to work. So, so there you go. More social media turmoil as Microsoft also closed quite a bit of its retail stores worldwide. They have 83 stores worldwide right now, or rather they had 83 as they are closing 79 of those locations permanently. Now, Microsoft is a software company. There's no doubt about that. Of course, they do make tablets and laptops and they make Xboxes, but they're closing quite a few of their retail stores because their focus is no longer on Uh, the majority, like like how much business could those retail locations truly have been? Since COVID began shelter in place at most of these locations, we saw them shirking quite a bit of the the overhead that comes with it, running a utilities program for it, you know, electricity and water, running the rent for those stores. How much business were they doing prior to? And transitioning quite a few of the company's services to digital distribution, not necessarily in selling a digital copy of the game, but just in, in manufacturing and shipping, you know, from Amazon, from Best Buy, the Xbox All Access program that allowed you to pay on a monthly basis for your Xbox One and then transition to an Xbox Series X. Uh, those programs were shifted into Best Buy and shifted into Amazon. And you have to imagine they're talking with GameStop at a various point because the retail locations are important at getting hardware out but no longer for software. And with Microsoft being a software company, it just made sense to shut those down. And so while I was very sad to see you know, some might lose their jobs and whatnot, I think we've already been moving in the direction away from retail. And I think it's a smart move for Microsoft overall. Placeholder accounts showed up on Twitter for Fable, Perfect Dark, Ninja Gaiden, and many more that had a lot of Xbox fans scratching their heads and wondering, you know, what's going on? Is this Microsoft placeholding something for their big July event that so many eyes are on? What does this mean? Are they doing this to protect their IP uh, in the short term, long term? Why are they snagging these Twitter accounts and then keeping them dormant and hidden as some of them were registered to Microsoft email accounts? Uh, And this was found out by doing like password recovery and then not being able to get through, seeing it was being sent to Microsoft. And interestingly, uh, the Fable account, which seems to be the only legitimate uh, placeholder account, the Fable account is followed by a Microsoft employee. Now, what's interesting about this overall 
is that Aaron Greenberg himself came out and said uh, that he knows that people are excited for the July event and that he doesn't want to create false hype. This was The Fable account is legit, but has been there for a long time in order to protect the Fable IP, whereas the other accounts seem to have been made uh, in jest by gamers around, the, around the, the internet. And that's fun. It's been good conjecture. But I will tell you this, this, this placeholder account business, I don't really care about it. What I do note is that it brings up a, a very clear hunger for news people are ready for this big july event that is said to be jaw-dropping and really will set the standard and the pace moving into the series x launch overall it was great to see them at the game awards it was nice to see that may inside xbox though in hindsight i think perhaps it disappointed many and with playstation 5 finally having its big event and knowing what's on the table we're ready for the big announcements. We're ready to see this new, you know, Phil Phil Spencer era of Series X from the get-go. This 15 Studio Plus uh, Microsoft acquisition. All right, what games do you have? Games, games, games. We're ready for it. We are ready for it. And the wait is all that much more difficult, I think, because of Shelter in Place, because of the lack of big names launching onto Xbox this summer while The Last of Us 2 and Ghost of Tsushima are showing up on PlayStation. I think a lot of Xbox gamers are just ready for good news and good vibes, and uh, it can't come soon enough. Questions about when this big July event will be. I had a lot of people asking me on, on the old, old Twitter space, would it be in early July, mid-July, late July? How much does Ghost matter in this? Ghost of Tsushima launches on July 17th, I believe, if memory serves. I I feel like we're actually going to see a mid to late to li- mid July mid to late July announcement uh, for the Xbox event and showcase for the Xbox event. Early on, I was thinking it would be early July. More and more, I feel like we would have heard by now, given the time of this recording. And so I'm thinking it's going to be fairly far out. I wondered if they would try to leave the window of Ghost of Tsushima to to occupy that space and not compete for new cycles there. But now I see, I feel like less and less, that's a, that's a concern. I think now that we've seen the PlayStation 5, Ghost carries a bit less weight in the, in the news space. And whatever Microsoft's bringing, they seem to be consistently confident. Phil Spencer was uh, spoken, or speaking in an interview recently where he said he saw the PlayStation 5, was very pleased with it, he thought they did a great job, but it didn't phase them and didn't seem to impact their plans. Great, that's good news. All gamers should want a confident head of Xbox in that respect because it means competition uh, is ripe and they know what they need to do. Uh, I was encouraged by that. A different PR person, I might be like, ah, whatever, you're doing your job, it's fine. But Spencer, there's a genuine aspect to him that that seems to carry some weight, more so, I think, than other executives. Uh, so take that for, for what you will. I'm thinking uh, late July for their big July event, and I'm thinking they've got some good stuff there. I mean, the scuttlebutt that I've heard off record sounds good, but like, really, what does that mean? Nothing means anything until we, we truly see it with evidence, with sources, because it can be exhausting seeing the lack of sources pop up uh, here and there overall. So, you know, all eyes on them. We're all waiting and waiting and hungry for good news. We all need some good news, and here's hoping they have it. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. And speaking of good news, I gotta say, 
with the Marvel's Avengers roundtable that Square Enix showed, it was the war table they had, they put on uh, a showcase this past week that showed off a lot of their gameplay. And I would encourage you to go back on YouTube if you have not seen it already and watch the Avengers war table. They showed off the primary villain, which is going to be MODOK uh, and, and, you know, the something designed only for killing some, some, I don't know what MODOK stands for, whatever. But uh, we saw a lot of gameplay from Marvel's Avengers, and I was very bullish on this. I was not excited for Avengers. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a superhero game, so I was in on that respect. Kind of like a new Star Wars game. I'm in because of what it is. But how good or how excited was I? This actually put to rest a lot of my concerns. I really wasn't a big fan of the character models. Something seemed off about it. And in seeing the gameplay, I think it looks good. It looks good. It looks like it'll be a solid seven, uh, strong seven, and I'll enjoy it because I'm playing with superheroes that I enjoy. Uh, we saw Thor gameplay. We saw a lot of customization options for abilities, different ways to team up with your enemies. It's almost like a, a combination of Spider-Man PS4 with Ultimate Alliance 3 in some ways, uh, which was kind of neat, right? That's kind of neat. We see Kamala Khan pretty avidly. They showcased a number of modes, which I thought was cool. There's an entire single-player campaign in this in this Avengers title. There's also a near Destiny-like level of co-op and competitive uh, methods that where, where you play in single and multiplayer aspects. I'm down for that. All in all, the game looks good. Flying around as Thor reminded me of Anthem a little bit. You know, going around as the Hulk w was was a little bit different in, in some respects. So. I, I still have mixed thoughts, but I'm more excited than I was. I thought the roundtable did a good job. Love that we're getting cross-gen play. You can buy this on Xbox One. It'll smart deliver to your Series X. That's fantastic. Love that I can team up and play with my buddies. Will I be able to cross-play with my buddies on PlayStation? I do not know. That is yet unconfirmed at this point, but uh, I'm down with that. Uh, Casey Lynch, who was an interesting choice. Oof, it was a bad choice, actually, to have him narrate the 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 war table given his allegations currently in in the social media space but uh, he stated that there are new characters and single player campaigns coming along for Square Enix's title and that's neat I want to know what new characters we're going to have there we haven't seen Hawkeye just yet is he going to be in the Avengers where's he at uh, do we see Black Panther I would love to see Black Panther I consistently say Black Panther is the character that we need to see a game from he's the the, the most unexplored character with the best abilities, tech, and gadgets to check out. I mean, imagine all that vibranium tech and, and seeing that combined with the Black Panther abilities. You could do a lot on the gameplay level with that. And so I'm, I'm, I, I would love to see uh, more from that respect there. But I, I'm, I'm in on this Avengers stuff. I'm, I'm in on it. Really, really and truly, I'm in on it. Uh, I now I'm trying to figure out which version. Do I just go standard version? Do I get to the digital deluxe version? They did say that you would be purchasing outfits through an in-game store in various respects, but you also can unlock a lot of stuff. I think many of us all kind of want the MCU, uh, but they're not going to be doing much of that. It seems to be that their focus is a lot on the comic history of the Avengers. Again, that's cool. That's fine. How far are you taking that? How far do I need to shell out an arm and a leg to to look like a cool version of Iron Man? Here's hoping not. So the, a lot to unpack, but uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm in on Avengers. Amidst Mixer shutting down and the Marvel's Avengers War Table showing up and a lot of things to be excited and sad about, the biggest news for me in this past week came from a Twitter reveal by Halo proper. So Halo themselves tweeted out a minute and 14 seconds of audio that was a transmission that seemingly confirms the Banished as an enemy for Halo Infinite. And fear not, because Hypecaster writes in and says, who are the Banished and what are the implications for them on the, the galaxy and the lore of Halo? And I'll get to that. 
But I want to talk about some cool analytics for a second. Right now, as of this moment of recording, uh, this 1 minute and 14 second clip has 2.9 million views over on Twitter with 105,000 likes and 27.6 thousand people still tweeting about it to this day. And we're four days after the announcement based on the time of this recording. People are excited to see the return of Halo. They're excited for Halo Infinite. And that's cool. I was really, I'm really excited by that myself because as an avid Halo fan, I am well aware that it is not, it is not in recent years and in recent mainstay titles captured the minds of gamers in the same way that it once did. We'd be silly not to acknowledge that. But people seem to be very excited for just what Halo Infinite is. Now, in this minute and 14 second teaser, we hear a, a Jorane or a Brute narrating these words. The hour approaches, our forces occupy the ring. Within hours, it will be under our control and humanity will burn. Their brazen defiance will be all but a memory. No more prophets. No more lies. We stand together, brothers to the end. We are his will. We are his legacy. We are the banished. End quote. Now, this is an ominous tone, and it's exciting for fans to hear because it gets people you know, pumped up. Wait, wait, who are the banished? Who is he? Who are they talking about? Clearly, they're, they are talking about Atriox, who is the leader of the banished. If you are unfamiliar with Atriox or the banished, and, you, and you're like Hypecaster, and you're writing in, or you're wondering, you know, what's going on here? The banished were a subset of the Covenant, but they were too extreme for the Covenant. Atriox himself would be sent in to, to die purposely. His commanders feared him, and so they would send him on missions uh, to, to die for the Covenant, and he kept coming back. His whole platoon would be wiped out, and he would still return, and he became more and more frustrated. And unlike many of the Brutes, he seemed to be very thoughtful, very capable, and very analytical that matched much of his force of will and his, and his uh, combat prowess. He is essentially, and without exaggeration, he is the Thanos-level, uh, Avengers-level threat for the Halo universe. He is powerful, he is strong, and if you are unfamiliar, in Halo Wars 2, he is the primary antagonist. Halo Wars 2 introduced him, wiping out and beating the mess out of several, like three at one time, Spartan 2s, which are equal to Master Chief in terms of, of capability. Not luck, but capability. It's exciting for a number of reasons, because in the Halo Wars 2 ending, which is a very mild spoiler, but deal with it because it's been a long enough time, at the end of Halo Wars 2, Cortana shows up uh, with her created, and a Guardian, uh, which is a Forerunner piece, shows up, and many people are excited because... This means that Cortana's not the main bad guy after the very disappointing Halo 5 storyline. Cortana's not the main bad guy. Atriox will be. Uh, the Covenant never really used AI, and so Cortana's less of a threat to them. So it's really exciting to me to see that Atriox, this big bad, this Avengers-level threat, this guy that seemingly is the Thanos of this universe, is showing up and likely going to be a showdown with humanity. They're going to be a threat to Cortana, which means you can have several, you know, cross battles going on and chief himself will have to take atriox on which is kind of what a lot of halo wars fans were all into this is this is something to be excited about this splinter group that that split off from the covenant they were too extreme for the covenant the covenant couldn't hold them back uh i i'm all in on this this teaser got me all types of hyped do yourself a favor hear my words right now i know i'm i'm a big old halo fan go to youtube go, youtube atriox 
Watch the cutscenes of Atriox. It's dope. This guy is all types of badass. He's all types of fearful. You will absolutely love him uh, as an enemy and somebody to to show down against. Uh, if you're extra interested and you're a big old nerd like me, I recommend the Rise of Atriox graphic novel. It's really, really good. Again, it showcases just how much of a threat this guy is. Uh, I am all in on it. And if you've got Game Pass, yo, check out Halo Wars 2. They introduced the arc uh, on a playable spot, which is very different than the Halo 3's arc. They showcase the Flood. You do get to fight the Flood in the DLC there. There's a lot to unpack, and the Halo Wars 2 lore seems to impact on a number of levels there. So I am I could not be more excited for a lot of reasons. Uh, but uh, I'm all in on the Banished. I'm stoked. I'm just, oh, I'm so excited. Man, July cannot get here fast enough. I want to see what Halo Infinite is. And just on a personal note, I, whatever, this is my show. It's all personal. Uh, I finally, guys, I finally got the Halo 3 Master Chief helmet statue that came in. Uh, I'm really, really excited for that. I was. Uh, I took a second job for the summer, which I'm, again, I'm starting next week and stoked for, but because I wanted to continue fleshing out my statue collection and, and uh, upgrading it and pay for those and uh, man, it looks so cool. I'm really glad to finally have it. So now I have the Halo Reach statue, the Halo 3 statue, the Halo 5 statue, and uh, I'm saving up for whatever the, the Halo Infinite statue will be. I'm a big old fan of Halo, and so this is exciting for me. I hope you guys are excited too. Let's go now to uh, the last of the the listener questions for this week. We got a couple. We got a, a few here from the, our regulars who are always supportive of the show. Uh, Todd Oxter writes in, he says, When and how do you think we'll get a firm release date, pricing, and launch lineup for Series X? The Switch revealed price and games just 10 weeks before the release date, so the window is closing for sure. Great question, Todd. As usual, my man, uh, I think you'll see something similar. I think you'll find out in August when the release date and price will be. We've seen a number of confirmations that a second system is in the works and coming out for uh, the Xbox Series line of consoles. A lot of people are calling it Lockhart. There seems to be CPU coding uh, that's going to be on par with the Series X to Lockhart. We're seeing a lot of code come out. So many rumors existing from Lockhart and evidence of Lockhart seeming to exist suggest they're going to go the standard two con the standard the the idea of a two console route here, now, similar to what PlayStation Five is doing, uh, in some ways but very different in others. That will be an interesting piece. We've seen we've seen the launches of two consoles plenty of times, the arcade and the elite, and and whatever this that or the other means. But Lockhart seems to be something different. I think it'll, a lot of that will come down to the July event being all about games. We've seen the hardware that was revealed at Game Awards. July will be all about games and why you need to be excited for this system. That's what PlayStation 5 tried to do with Miles Morales and Ratchet and & Clank and their showcases with Horizon. I think that's what Microsoft's going to do with their new IP, with some of the return of some of their old IP. A lot of people wondering Fable, Perfect Dark. Uh, I hope it's not the pillar you know, Halo, Forza, Gears, I don't want to see that. I want to see Gears Tactics very quickly mentioned. Give me a release date for that uh, for Xbox One, but then show me Halo Infinite, show me new new games, new gameplay, talk to me about that. Uh, and then in August, that's when you say your price and your release date. I The big scuttlebutt is, the big problem here is, and what we're all guesstimating, is that Sony and Microsoft are playing chicken for who announces price because they want to match or undercut one another. At this point... I would say they're pretty much locking down prices in their mind, uh, and, and they're pretty much have their minds made up. If I'm Microsoft and I can afford to do it, I launch the Series X at 400. It, it doesn't. It's not cost effective. You're going to eat a lot of cost there. That is a lot of technology to pack in there. And given the size comparisons between the PlayStation 5 and the Series X, 
I really think they're going to get a lot of favorable showcases. People are going to be more excited about the Series X once they put them side by side and Digital Foundry and IGN put them side by side. I really think the box physically and aesthetically of the Series X will do a lot for itself next to a PlayStation 5 and how large that seems to be. That'll help, but price is just, that, that's the killer, man. I've, I've talked for for months. Longtime listeners of XCP will remember me talking about the three C's, cost, catalog, and choice. Cost is is where they can absolutely make a stand. If they come out at 400 bucks for that Series X, those things are going to fly off the shelves. If they do uh, 200 for a, a Lockhart or even 250 for a Lockhart, those are going to fly off shelves. The three and 500, I have a little bit more, you know, eh, I'm not so sure about. Um, but I still think August is the right time for that. You know, that's the cost factor. The catalog, they've got the studios. Now they got to show us the games. Choice, they've already nailed. We already know we get choice. We know we can play the, the a lot of the Series X stuff in the first year over on our Xbox One. We know we can choose to play them on xCloud. We know we're going to have Game Pass. We know we're going to have Smart Delivery. We've got choice, but cost and catalog are, are where it's at right now. And So I'm thinking August. That's what I'm, I'm thinking August. You know, long story short, August. Edward Varnell writes in with his question. He says, do you think Microsoft is restructuring some of their businesses uh, and may make the sale of the Series X a focal point to sell major. Edward, I'm not 100% sure what you mean on that, but I think what you're asking me is with the closing of Mixer and the retail stores, is there a bigger emphasis on Xbox than in years past for Microsoft as a company overall? That's what I'm interpreting your question as. Uh, and I think the answer is yes. Gaming ha has proven year over year for the past decade to be a huge source of revenue and income for companies that are involved in gaming. It is now the most profitable entertainment source on the planet, surpassing sports uh, quite a long time ago and surpassing film quite a long time ago. Gaming is where money is made, so if you do it right. Now, do you do that by eating costs and selling your Series X uh, at a loss like we talked about? Maybe. Subscription services? Yes, we know that makes money for games. Despite all odds to the contrary, it's making money. Game Pass is doing well. Um, I do think Microsoft is restructuring. Yes, absolutely. I think part of that's due to the pandemic. I think part of that's due to simple digital trends that were already on its way. Part of that's due to recognizing that Xbox is a profit maker. And if they can get to 2 billion screens and get to 2 billion screens first, they've got it made. They've got it made. They can lose, quote unquote, the Xbox One generation and still be making money. They're on point, man. That's, that's, the, that's the coolest part about this. Nintendo, when they lost last gen with the Wii U, they lost badly and they suffered for it. Came back real well with the Switch, no doubt about it. They are rocking on the Switch. But they lost and disappointed a lot of people. Not many people had a Wii U. Something like 15 million people had a Wii U or something like that. That's a total bummer because there were great games that people missed out on. They rectified that, brought those games to Switch, and now they're happy. If, if this Xbox One generation was the Wii U of Xbox compared to the 360, dude, Sold 50 million units. You got Game Pass out there. You're doing well. Sea of Thieves is kicking butt over on Steam. People are loving Xbox games on Steam. State of Decay is doing well on Steam. Halo Reach uh, and Halo 3 are rocking on Steam. Dope. That's awesome. That's awesome. If this is the lost, the lost generation for Xbox and they're headed into next gen with an intention to reach more systems because of a restructuring, dope. I'm all for it. I do think, yeah, there's a restructuring. And it's to recognize gaming as a, as a powerhouse. Uh, how they go about it is the interesting part. Lockhart, Series X, xCloud, Game Pass. There's a lot of ways to do it, man. But uh, I think they're on the right track there. So take that from me there. Oh, goodness, guys. That is a that is a, a quick show, but I'm enjoying it. I will tell you, right now I'm playing through The Last of Us 2. 
and I have a lot of thoughts about it. I have a lot of thoughts, and while that's not Xbox-specific, I do think it impacts the way I approach Xbox games. Uh, and you can ask me questions about that, and I can answer them on next week's show if you're interested. And if you're not, that's fine. I totally recognize that. If that's not the place for for that discussion here on XEP, no problem. Uh, you can also, let me see, what else am I talking I've got the Control DLC, which I will be streaming over on twitch.tv slash Ghost coming up soon. The Foundation DLC uh, is out, and I'm, I'm stoked to share that with you guys. I also, uh, let's see, I'm checking out the Messenger, which is available on console, so that's kind of cool. Really, it's a, it's a slow pace. We're all just waiting for July. That's where I'm at in my gaming journey, and I hope your gaming journey is going well. Find me over on Twitter, at InsipidGhost. Email me, insipidghost at gmail.com. And uh, if you wouldn't mind saying hello to me on Twitch, that would mean the world. Take care, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy. Thank you.